Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Relationships are so important in doing life together. You know, churches split, families are broken apart, marriages are torn apart because of relationships. You know, one of the reasons tonight we're here is because there's a really bad relationship going on and Leonie and myself are here to bring some counsel. That's why we're here. I thought he wanted me to come and preach, but is anyone picking something up here? But I want to talk about two kinds of relationships that the Bible speaks about. The first one is the vertical. Your relationship between yourself and God. And then I want to talk about the horizontal, the relationship with you and with others. They're significant relationships. You know, in Matthew 22 Verse 34, we read these words. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. And one of them, an expert in the religious law, tried to trap him with this question. He says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replies, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second, listen to this, is as equally important. The second commandment. What's the second commandment? Love your neighbour as yourself. He goes on to say, The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love your Lord with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is what I'm talking about in the vertical. In the vertical. This statement actually comes from Deuteronomy 6.5 and it's called the Shema. And what would happen is a Jewish person would recite the Shema every night before they would go to sleep. It would be the last words that they would speak before they put their head down. And it would be the first words that they would speak when they arose in the morning. Their focus was on God. Last words, first words, the Shema. And, and it's so important for us to understand the power, if you like, that flows from the vertical. Most of us come into this church tonight and we would say to ourselves, I've got the vertical going pretty well. I love worship. I love this church. I love God's Word. I love you know, what's happening in this place. And I'm loving you know, submitting myself to the things of God. We've got the vertical. We're committed to the vertical. But the honest truth is we're not that committed to the horizontal. Because each and every one of us has relationships in our life that God's been tapping on us and saying, you need to sort that out. You need to get that right. So he says, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, but love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. When you look through the commandments of God, you'll discover that the first four commandments have to do with the vertical. And the last six have to do with the horizontal. It's locked into the law. 
So let me talk for a moment about the vertical. How do we get the vertical right? What, what are we called to do in regards to the vertical? The first thing that I believe we need to look at is our heart. The Bible says that we must be pure in heart. Jesus speaks on the Sermon of the Mount the importance of the purity of the heart. He says these words, Matthew 5 verse 8. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart. For what? For they shall see God. We want to see God. We want to see where God's moving. We want to experience God. We want to see how God is even operating in other people's lives and ministry and what, whatever's going on around us. The fact is that we need to be pure in heart so we can see what God is actually doing. What he's talking about here is your motives. Your motives. What is your motive in regards to God? Is it a single-mindedness in pursuing the things of God? Because we can get so distracted in our world, especially young people. There's so many voices. There's so many things that can take our attention. There's so many things that draw us away. And, you know, we come into this place on a Sunday or maybe on a Friday night with youth or whatever it is, you know, and for a moment we connect with God again. And then we leave this place and it's like, oh, life just, just crowding in on me. And Jesus says, you want to see God? You want to see God past Sunday? You want to see God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Well, you need to have a single mind and it's a pure heart and you shall see God. It's an undevoted attention, devotion. You know, Ezekiel 36, 26, there was a promise given us. It says, moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your, and from your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I want you to understand tonight that God is not in the business of creating a dutiful relationship with Him, a legalistic relationship with Him. It's not about that. It's a personal relationship with Jesus where you can discover who God is and where you can discover who you are in God. Think about that for a moment. Many of us have probably come from backgrounds where it's... You know, we've been controlled, if you like, by a religious spirit that we've followed Jesus through duty. We haven't followed him through relationship. We've lived in fear of God and not in reverence of God. He's not looking for some relationship that looks like a contract that's written on stone. But he wants to write his law. He wants to write his love on your heart. That's the kind of relationship He's looking at. If you look at King David, he was successful. Why? Because he had a heart after God. He had a heart after God. What did that mean? He, was, he had a focus, a single-mindedness to seek after God. Saul's downfall was that he didn't have a heart after God. He had a heart after all these other things. And he, and he, he had a space in his heart, if you like, for all this other stuff to crowd in on him, jealousy and resentment and fear. And, and uh, you know, he, he, places where he could hate David and hate others that didn't sort of uh, look at him the way that he felt that he should be looked at and revered and respected in. We need to get our motives right. We need to get them pure before God. And John 14, 26 says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. 
They're powerful words. See, in the relationship we have with Jesus, when we discover, when we position ourselves, when we live in that space where God is writing His ways on our heart, where we are receiving from what God has for our lives and we're open to receive those things, you know, there's going to come times where as God's depositing, you're thinking to yourself, I'm not sure what this is about. I don't know why, you know, uh, what's happening in this, but there's going to come time when all of a sudden things will just pop into you because God's written them on your heart. You find yourself in a circumstance and, and you think, I'm going to step into that. And you go, no, no, I can't step into that because God's written His ways in my heart. There's a relationship that you may want to uh, get involved in and you're thinking, you know, I really like that person, but I, I, I can't go in that relationship because God's ways have been written on my heart. God writes His ways on our heart when we're single-minded in pursuing him. The second thing I notice is that we need to have clear eyes because in Matthew 5 8, what does it say? It says that they shall see God. Yeah. Matthew 6 22 says, The lamp of the body is in the eye. Therefore, your eye is good. Your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? A great question, isn't it? How great is that darkness when all we see is darkness? It fills our life. When, we, when you actually start to do a word study on it, you discover that the eye here is in the context of singular. Singular. One focus. Eye. On Jesus. Singular in purpose. Committed to discovering the fullness of what it means to be in a relationship with God. Think about that for a moment. What it means, the fullness of what it means to be in a relationship with God. Not just when it suits you. Not just when it feels okay. But in every walk of life, in every circumstance you find yourself in, that you can be in that relationship and receiving from God what you need. Because why? Because your eye is full of light because it's singularly focused on Him. How many people know that your eyes can wander? Your eyes can wander. Your ears can hear things they shouldn't hear and your eyes can wander. James 1.6, it says this, But let him ask in faith without no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not the man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, that if he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So what, what the writer's saying here is that when our focus is a bit over here and a bit over there, the Bible actually says that you're a double-minded person. And a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? But it's true. A double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. How do you become double-minded? Have an eye for this and an eye for that, an eye for this and an eye for that. Lose your focus and you will become double-minded. Minded. So we have the horizontal that flows from the vertical. You cannot get loving your neighbour right without getting the vertical in line and in order in your life. I've discovered in my life that when there are issues with people, I, can, I, I know with all my heart that I cannot deal with that situation when the vertical is not right. 
But the moment I get before God and I get the vertical right, what happens? You start to see a person through different eyes. You actually start to see them through God's eyes. And you start to see their circumstance through brokenness. And you stop judging. And you try to understand, what is that person going through? You know, one of the greatest things you can do with people that you struggle with is to hear their story. Because you'd be, some, you'd be probably horrified sometimes of the stories that you hear in people's lives and you have an aha moment. You go, oh, now I understand why they react that way. Now I understand why they live like this. Because you've heard the story. And so the vertical demands the horizontal. We can't love people fully unless we get the vertical right. Here's some challenges that God gives us in regards to the vertical. Number one is that Jesus commands us to forgive. Did you hear that? Jesus doesn't say, if it suits you, you can forgive. He doesn't say, if it's all right by you in a particular time, you could start to forgive. Or if, they, if that person responds to you appropriately, you can now forgive them. Jesus just says straight out, I command you to forgive. That's it. There's no argument. I, I don't know about you, but I've argued with God over this. But God, they've said this about me. They did this about me. They've hurt me. And God just says, you forgive. No, no, God, you don't understand. You don't understand. You've got no idea how much pain I feel in regards to that situation. Yes, Rick, I do. You just forgive. It's true. John 13, verse 33. We read these words. It says, little children, Jesus is talking to the disciples. I shall be with you a little while longer. And you will seek me as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you shall love one another as I have loved you, and that you also should love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, and if you have love for one another. We're saying we want the world to know that we love Jesus, but we don't love each other the way that we should be loving each other. And so the world doesn't actually understand that we're disciples of the living God by the way that we're loving each other. So the really cool thing about this story is that Jesus is telling this story at the time where Judas has betrayed him. Judas has betrayed him. He's sharing the Passover meal. Judas has gone off to go get the Pharisees to arrest Jesus. And Jesus says, you got to love. If this was me, if I was Jesus, thank God I'm not. And everybody said, yeah. I would sit there justifying the situation. I would want to tell them what Judas is about to do. I, 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 would, I would want people to love me and not Judas. That's the way it works in our brokenness, in our humanity. But Jesus starts off, and get, grab this. Jesus starts off with this. Little children. Little children! What he's saying is that when you can't forgive, you are carrying on like little kids. Yeah. 
Little kids. Little kids have trouble with all this stuff. But what have I called you to be? I've called you to be my disciples. And when you're my disciple, when you've grown in maturity and grown in the things of God and understand who God is and who you are in God, guess what you'll do? You'll forgive. You'll forgive. No one wants to be called little kid. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Bishop Tyrone, who's one of the early church fathers, told the story about John the Evangelist, who was really, really old at this particular stage. And his followers would carry him in uh, to the congregation. And uh, he could barely speak, but they would always ask him to say something. And he would look at the congregation, he'd say this, little children love one another. Week after week, they would carry him in, Would you like to say something? Yes, I would. Little children love one another. Little children love one another. And he would repeat that over and over and over again till the time that they got sick of hearing it. Seriously. And they said, why do you keep repeating little children love one another over and over again? Why do you say the same thing? And John's Reply to that is this: It is the Lord's command, and this, and if this is only done, it is enough. It is the Lord's command, and if this is only done, it is enough. Could you imagine a church on the planet today where people would look and understand and see how much we love each other? We wouldn't need denominations. Honestly, that's why we have denominations. And people say to me sometimes when they look at the church, they go, you guys can't even agree with each other. You know, it's a unique experience. And that's what we love, what's going on in our relationships here because there's this oneness and, and joining together and a unity. And guess what happens when there's unity? That God dwells in the midst of unity. And as godly relationships are established, there's, there's, it, it creates an opportunity for truth to be spoken in to those things. And so, you know, we get an opportunity to come here and speak into this church and Pastors Tony and Kath come and speak into our church and our leadership team. Why? Because there's trust and there's love and there's unity and God is in the midst. And that's what Jesus' church is meant to look like. Come on, give God a praise. The second thing to do with the vertical is that God commands us not to judge. I reckon I may have failed at this thing once or twice. Just once or twice? Have I got any friends? Not to judge. Luke chapter 6, verse 42. He says, Oh, how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your own eye, when you yourself do not see the plank That is in your own eye. He calls them a hypocrite. The word hypocrite means actor. That's what it means. And he's saying, what you're doing is you're acting like a Christian, but the reality is you're a hypocrite. You're judging. He says, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. We're not to judge. 
It's an interesting thought, this, because Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees at a time where they'd taken the law of God out of context. Have you ever met anyone that's taken God's word out of context? (laughs) Happens all the time, doesn't it? I spoke this morning about applying, activating God's promises in context to what they actually mean. And so in this story here, Jesus is criticising them because they're taking this particular passage out of context. They're using this particular passage as an opportunity to judge and punish. And it was never meant to be that. This particular passage actually had to do with what they call the law of retaliation. And it wasn't there to give you a right to retaliate. It was there for you to think about what the, what the punishment would be. So it didn't mean that you had every right to go and punish someone eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. What it said was that there needs to be a punishment that fits the crime. But it's amazing what happens when legalistic people get hold of God's word and start to judge people with it. The third point is that Jesus commands us to look beyond ourselves. Commands us to look beyond ourselves. This is so hard for us because the truth is, We think the universe revolves around us. We mightn't say it out loud, but there's something inside of us that feels that. But God calls us to look beyond ourselves. He commands us to look beyond ourselves. Listen to how Jesus puts the challenge. He uses in that text of the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. <laughs> How's that going for you? Yeah? Yeah. Slap. Oh, I love you. I've got the vertical going well, and I need to see the manifestation of the horizontal. Give me one there. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tuning, let him have your your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him two. Give to him who asks and from him who wants to borrow from you. Do not turn away. That's a scary thought, isn't it? What Jesus is saying is that whatever you do, if you're my disciple, you will go the extra mile. That it's not about you. It's all about him and it's all about them. It's all about him and it's all about them. Now, I'm not saying tonight that we all don't wrestle with feelings that we have in regards to people hurting us and doing things to us that have caused us pain. I would imagine that everybody in this room tonight has a story. Has a story of the pain that they feel and the brokenness that's been caused by by someone else, whether it's a 
uh, family of origin situation or whether it's been in a church somewhere or whatever it is, we all struggle with those things when people have wronged us. I'm going to ask the music team to come. But we can't use those things as an excuse. We can't use them as an excuse to not live in the way that God has called us to live. Because do you know, ultimately, ultimately, hear this, you will suffer. Have you ever had a situation with a person where they, that you, you know there's been sort of some issue that's been going on for a while and, and you finally go and try and resolve the thing and, and you know you've lost sleep, it might have been for six months or 12 months and you've, you've been too embarrassed to see them, you go to the supermarket and uh, they go up that aisle and you hide down the other one and try and get out as quick as you can because you don't want to run into them. Oh, uh, just me, I'm the only one that's ever had to deal with that. I, I wish I... I so wish I was like all you guys. And finally you decide you're going to resolve the problem. And you've lost sleep nights after night after night after night. And you sit there with that person and you go, I just need to say, I want to forgive, I need to forgive you over this. And, and they look at you and they go, Sorry? Sorry? Oh, you know that thing, that, you know that argument we had, like, wait, no, I don't, I don't remember that, sorry. Do you realise how much sleep I've lost over that thing? And you're going, sorry? I don't remember it? That's what God says to you today. Sorry. I don't remember it. Why do you keep bringing it up? Why do you keep living in it? Why do you keep allowing it to control your life? Because God says, sorry, I don't remember it. That's the kind of relationship that we have with Jesus. How many of us have actually stopped for a moment And honestly thought about what Jesus has done for us. Like, have a look in the mirror one day and think to yourself, God, I've done all this stuff. I've hurt people. I've said these things. And the reality is you look at me and go, sorry, I don't remember it. How could you not worship? How could you not serve? How could you not submit to the one that has a heart like that towards you? And that's why the Bible says, get the vertical right. And when you get the vertical right, the horizontal will flow and the world will know that you are my disciples by the love of that you have for one another. For one another. (laughs) 
Do you know tonight how much Jesus loves you? Do you know how high his love is, how deep his love is, how wide his love is? Not for the person sitting next to you. Not for the person sitting in front of you, behind you, or maybe the person you bought tonight. I want you to hear this for you. How much he loves you. And that he has an awesome plan for your life that goes beyond just the celebration that we're experiencing in this moment. That we can live in such a way that that we hear the voice of God in our lives that doesn't say, hey, little kid, grow up. But when we hear the Holy Spirit speak to us, it's like, you are my disciple. What is it? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear, amen? That's what we want to hear. None of us, I I don't want my mother who's 81 years of old going, Ricky. (laughs) She does call me Ricky, I hate it. Don't ever call me Ricky, all right? I'll do Jimmy. But I'm not doing Ricky. Ricky, stop behaving like a little kid. I'm 61, Mum. I'm not a little kid. I'm a big boy now. I'm a big boy and I'm married and I've got kids and grandkids. Stop treating me like a little kid. And you know, sometimes when I walk into that house, I feel like a little kid. Because in that, in that place, there's all these memories and there's, to be honest with you, a whole bunch of hurt and a whole bunch of pain. And, 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 and sometimes my demeanour changes in those, in those moments. And I think to myself, why am I acting and why am I responding in that way? Because I am behaving like a little kid because I'm not hearing the voice of God say, be a disciple. Stop being a little kid. Grow up. Step up. And it doesn't matter what age you are tonight, what your circumstance is, it's time to grow up and step up for the sake of the kingdom of God and those that have not yet experienced the kingdom. Why don't you stand with me tonight? What we often say in church life is we don't know where everybody's at here in this place tonight. I can actually say that tonight and mean it. Because <laughs> I don't know where anybody's at at this place tonight. I've got a little bit of an idea in my own church, but I haven't got a clue. But I'll tell you what I what I am experiencing that in this place there is a David spirit a heart after God a heart after God a passion after God and I want to encourage you in that tonight to get the vertical right because I know that this church has a passion and a desire to see its city reach for Jesus Amen you want to see that. I know it. I can sense it as you talk. I sense it in the way that you worship and the way that you do life together. But let's get the, let's get the vertical 
right. So that the horizontal will flow. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 